one of the best things that has happened because of this whole internet phenomena is a set of memes that is all over the place going by the title something along the lines of why women live longer than men. Here is some evidence as to what and yet another bit of evidence. Yes, and because ladders are all too personal to at least one person in this room who is sitting in the back, Chuck threw in this one for me. Better than these, however, better than these, which are really pretty good if you ask me, are the memes and, and videos that take a pictures of men who fail to take account of basic intelligence as they perform what is known as a trust fall. Now, a trust fall, if you don't know, is when one or more persons is standing behind someone and the object is to have somebody fall back and they will catch them. And they, that's what their intention is to catch them so this person will learn to trust. And that, my friends, is why women live longer than men. <laughs> in spite of our misplaced trust in people, trust is an essential element to life in general and the Christian life in particular. Trust is inescapable in the normal flow of life. You trust your brakes. You trust the person driving the lane next to you. You trust the person making your meal at the restaurant, whether that's a good idea or not. And trust is an inescapable element in the Christian life as well. By definition, to be a Christian means that you know God's commands and promises, and then you believe that they apply to you. And once you know them and you believe that they apply to you, you then go about living your life in such a way that you are obeying His commands and you are trusting the promises of God for you in Christ. As an illustration that encompasses every aspect of life, tonight we want to look at fighting temptation. This is one key area in life where you must know, believe, and trust the promises of God for you in Christ. Because there is only one thing powerful enough to put temptation to death. And that is trust. So tonight we're going to learn to fight temptation with trust. Tonight we're going to look at several passages and that will help us to understand what it means to say no to the deceitful, suicidal, joy-robbing death trap that is sin and temptation. And we're going to start off with 1 Corinthians 10.13, which says, No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but will also provide a way of escape so that you can stand up under it. Tonight, 
as we look at this verse, we are going to see two things that we need to know. Two things that we must understand so that your sin-defeating arsenal can be complete. And the first thing we learn from this passage is that you are not alone in your temptation. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like I'm the only one who struggles with this? Do you ever feel like no one understands what I'm going through? Well, Paul tells us that is false. When he says common to man, he means that other people struggle with the same sin. Now, it does not mean that we all struggle with the same sin. But even when your neighbor, when your beloved friend is struggling with the sin that you don't struggle with, you can identify with them. Because you know what it's like for you to struggle with your sin, therefore you can have compassion on them. My friends, this is a powerful weapon in fighting temptation in your own life because you can go to your brother or sister in Christ and it's a powerful weapon in the life of your friends because you can go and be that person of compassion and truth for them. You are never alone. But the second thing, the second truth that we learn from this is that God always provides a way of escape. You can believe this. God always provides a way of escape. Now, you may not always be able to see it because you have spent life, your lifetime, learning and training your body to fall into this sin. But if you begin here, if you begin right here and you say to yourself, Jesus has provided a way out. You know the promise. You begin to believe that promise applies to you. Oh, Jesus has provided a way out for me right now. Then you can act on it. And the simplest, easiest, basic way is to say, Jesus, help my unbelief. And then move. Change your body position. Get out of dodge. Don't stay right there in the midst of your temptation. You can fight temptation with trust. There is a way out. You don't have to fall to temptation. This is true. Believe it. Accept it as a promise for you. And then start to live like it is true. The next time you're tempted to, call, to fall to sin, call on Jesus for grace. Ask Him for the enabling of you to do what you cannot do on your own because you are trusting Jesus. But now the next promise is no less significant. The next promise is found in James 1, 13 and 14. James says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when it has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love Him. Notice, central to the defense against temptation is a promise that the Lord has given to us. Namely, the crown of life. And let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and He Himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own sins, by his own desires. 
then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. Notice that the promises of God for us in Christ are absolutely foundational to a life of defeating sin. And whatever Paul means by, or excuse me, James means by the phrase crown of life, because we really don't know exactly what he means there, we know that some reward is coming for those who endure, for those who trust the promises of God for them in Christ. And whatever that is, it is a step of faith to say it's worth it. It's worth it. Believe that the crown of life is worth it. But secondly, we see that it is my desires that trip me up. Listen, you can take it for granted. You can believe and bet your bottom dollar that you are your worst problem when it comes to falling to sin and temptation. No one can make you angry. No one can make you lust or covet. Now, they can provide opportunities. Amen? But you do those things on your own. And we'll see that the world and Satan are very real and very deadly, but my sin starts in my own heart, which is exactly why I must fight temptation with trust. Trust begins with an understanding that God did not make a sin. Now, now what does that mean? I mean, we, we don't really talk like that in evangelical circles today. I think it, it's very simple. Satan is not creative. Satan doesn't have to be creative. It starts with the very first lie. You will be like God. You will find your happiness in this fruit. Satan tried to sell this lie to Eve. He tried to sell it to Jesus. And you can bet your bottom dollar he tries to sell it to you. You may think to yourself, I don't believe this lie. Yes, you do. Every time you sin. When you and I sin, it is because we are enticed by our desires lying to you. You'll get more pleasure from this than obeying God. You will get more power or whatever it is that you're seeking by this than trusting God's promises. But you don't need to take my word for it. Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who on earth can understand it? Not I. Because as Pastor Benji has told us many times, Sin, temptation, is always wanting more. And you start to cave in, and it will take everything it can. The way to fight temptation is to trust Jesus more than your heart. The way to fight temptation is to trust Jesus more than your deceitful heart. And since you and I are the most influential person in the world to ourselves, you and I need more than anything else to make God's Word the most influential thing in our heart. 
Listen, Satan relentlessly tries to kill your faith in the Bible. Satan relentlessly tries to distract you from God's Word. Satan relentlessly tries to cause you to doubt Scripture. Mocking and scoffing and ridiculing. Why? Why not just leave the Bible alone? Why do you always get these articles in Newsweek and Time Magazine ridiculing and mocking and decrying the Bible? Because Satan knows that is the most powerful tool. And when you take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, you will be able to fight temptation with trust. Satan knows your lifeline to trusting Jesus more than your heart is to keep your word, his word, out of your heart. So that's why you must fight temptation with trust. But we need to get down to brass tacks. We've been speaking kind of in general. We need to understand Satan's strategy. We learned part of it in 1 John 2 15 to 16. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Well, I've got two questions. I've got two questions about this passage. The first one is, what is John talking about here with world? The the Bible uses the word world in a couple of different senses. Let me give you what's going on here. The world going on here and in other verses is, is the system, the culture, the atmosphere that everyone lives in. And our adversary has made it. Paul calls him in Ephesians 2.2 the prince of the power of the air, which means that Satan influences culture through sinful humans to entice other humans towards greater sin. Very simple example of this. Pornography has been around since clay tablets. But it is much easier to obtain it right now, is it not? And therefore... Because it is so much easier to obtain, its use is far more widespread today. Pick a temptation in our culture and you will find the exact same thing is true. Why? Because the world, as, as John calls it here, or just an understanding of culture in general, the atmosphere in which we breathe physically and spiritually is so pervasive we don't even notice it. So don't love the world. But of course that begs a second question. What is love here? Now here, it's a little more complicated. To love in the Christian sense is to willingly sacrifice for the good of the beloved. To love in the Christian sense is to willingly sacrifice for the good of the beloved. Well, obviously, That's not what's going on in this passage. But remember we have said a few times that to be a god, to be an idol, you have a job description. There's a job description to qualify as a god. And that is to provide, protect, and give purpose to your worshipers. A god needs to provide for his worshipers, to protect his worshipers, and give purpose to them. And the idolater is the one who trusts in this God to provide for him, to protect him from whatever that perceived 
threat is and to give purpose to one's life. But there's a strange thing that happens in our hearts. Whatever it is we look to for provision, protection, and purpose, we begin to love that. And whatever it is that we love, that thing that we love shapes us and molds us and makes us into its likeness. So, if your love, if what you need is provision of a, of a pastime and you're clinging to gossipy, racy TV shows, guess what your soul gets formed to? If what you are clinging to as an idol is shows about deceitfulness and, and how you can lie your way out of everything, guess what your soul loves? Which is why we must fight temptation with trust. And trust is a strange thing. Do you remember the story where Jesus says, all you need is a mustard seed's worth of faith? you remember that? Where he's talking about that? The point Jesus wants to make there is it's not how much trust you have that makes a difference. It's in whom you trust. If you put a mustard seed's worth of smallest, little, tiniest, little bit of faith in the great Almighty God, you will be able to fight temptation. If you put it in any other God's camp, you will love that and you will do what that God wants to do. And so when we say fight temptation with trust, we are declaring by faith, we are saying that we go to Him. We go to Jesus as the source of our provision, as the source of our protection and the source of our purpose. And as we do, and then go through the temptation that is like the atmosphere around us, we will find that Jesus is so truthful that when we fail, we will find that Jesus is faithful still. And He will receive us. And when we win, we will find, when we defeat that temptation, we will find that Jesus told us the truth. That greater joy and happiness comes from trusting those promises than in believing the lies of our deceitful desires. And as we do, we will know God better and therefore love Him and trust Him more. So what's the solution? As always, the solution is tr Christ. Trust Jesus. He is the one who defeated temptation and sin and death. And because He did, you know that you can trust Him. Trust, in this case, means that you remember that the world system is ceaseless. It doesn't stop beating on our door until you are glorified. You will fight temptation. But trust means that you can take your eyes off the world and view it through the lens of the faithfulness of Jesus. 
This is true in a positive way and a negative way. Do you like trees? Remember that Jesus made them and say praise Jesus for the trees. Do you hate sin? Remember Jesus came and died to destroy sin. And you can rejoice that one day it will be gone because King Jesus will be here. Do you love your friends? Remember that Jesus came that they might live and rejoice. Rejoice that He is powerful. And if God can save my Father's Son, He can save anyone, including my Father. Do you hate your temptation? Remember that Jesus won and remember that He taught you to see sin for what it is. At best, it is empty. At worst, it is a poisonous vomit that gets in us and on us and through us. But Jesus cleanses us from that. Porn is vomit and sacrificial giving is better than receiving. Believe that. Because that's what Jesus teaches us. Now if you do this, if you believe that lying is vomit and sacrificial giving is better than receiving, then you will find yourself out of sorts with the world around you. They will mock you. They will cheat you. They will, they will make fun of you and just push you away. Do you want to be friends with the world? Or do you want to be friends with God? If you live like this, you will find yourself gloriously content. As many in this room can testify. And you will fight temptation with trust. Now, it is true that the center of temptation is right here inside my heart. It's my desires. And it is true that temptation is all around me. It is in the world around me. But it is also true that Satan is very real and he is very deadly. James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. By the way, that's a promise that you can resist him. He is not all-powerful. But then we find also in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, I have experience in at least four different cultures around the world. And one thing I've noticed that's very consistent with the Bible is that the entrance into the occult most often, not 100% of the time, but most often occurs in one or, or both of two ways. Pornography and sexual addiction and drugs. And in this case, I count alcohol as one of those drugs. What I have seen in Haiti in Mexico, in Germany, and in the United States, is that these two entrances quickly bring people right to the feet of Satan. Now guess what? He doesn't want you to know that it's Satan. Oh, it's just freedom. Freedom. But you look at the fruit, and what do you see? Death and destruction. Furthermore, I take it as a rule that when I am going
going about my business and some particularly gross sin or evil thought that just hits me, quote-unquote, out of nowhere, I take it as a general rule that that is Satan at that moment actively trying to break in. I think he's trying to distract me with just... Do you know what I'm talking about? Just wicked thoughts pop into your head and you go, where did that come from? That's not me. Well, it probably isn't you. I take it for granted that that's Satan, a demon. I don't think it's the personal person, Satan. But a demon trying to break in. Okay, Greg, so what? What does that, what does that do? This is, this is what it does for me. Lord, I'm under attack. Jesus, you have defeated Satan. I need you right now. It's really that simple. I've said it many times. Christianity is simple. It's not easy, but it's not complex. Just turn to Jesus. Trust Jesus. Go to Jesus. Look to Jesus. How many ways does the Bible tell us this? He is more powerful than a legion of demons, we are told. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. And you will be able to defeat that temptation. You can fight temptation with trust. Now, before we leave Satan, two equal and opposite errors occur. We can ignore Satan. We can pretend he doesn't exist. We can dress him up in red tights and horns and a spiky tail and laugh at him. He loves it when we do that, by the way. I don't think that resemblance has anything to do with Satan. But the other error is to make everything about him. Look, some of you maybe are among the crowd, and, and I'm, I'm not saying this to make fun of anybody, but some people look for Satan or demons under every single stone and just believe that Satan or demons do everything. I, I don't think that's true either. But Satan is alive and well. His demons are alive and well. And they want to trip you up. And they don't rest. So trust Jesus. You will resist Him when you do the opposite of what He wants. Go to His Word and find Jesus. Go to prayer as we heard this morning and just unload on Jesus. Satan hates it when you do that. And serve Jesus by loving those nearest you. That is how you will fight temptation and you will resist Satan. Which brings us to another solution for temptation. How do we fight our own sinful hearts? How do we fight the sinful atmosphere in which we live? And how do we fight our adversary himself? We fix our eyes on Jesus in His Word. Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This is talking about the children of Israel when they kept resisting the grace of God. They kept turning their own way. 
Verse 12, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Wow! God's Word will pierce you like nothing else. Be willing to be pierced so that you can fight temptation with trust. And no creature is hidden from His sight, verse 13, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great High Priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a High Priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. My friends, you can fight temptation with trust when you realize that Jesus is your high priest. Believe that your sins are forgiven. When you do, you can turn to Him and away from that sin. By believing, Jesus, You died for my sins. And by receiving that truth, you can flee sin. Exactly as the psalmist tells us when he says, with you there is forgiveness of sins so that you may be feared. The psalmist is telling us when we realize we are forgiven, we can put that wall between us and sin and cling to God. Secondly, we can trust because of this passage that in Christ there is victory. You don't have to fall to temptation because Jesus gives you a way out. Just as we said in 1 Corinthians 10.13. What is that way out? Well, here it tells us, go and draw near confidently to the throne of grace to the throne of provision, to the throne of God working in you what you cannot do for yourself. And then fix your eyes upon the Lord and you will find that way out. You will see that whatever it was you were looking at is disgusting as cyanide. And you can fight temptation with trust. Trust your Savior. Run to Him. Flee to Him who knows you better than you know yourself. And flee to Him the way He left for us to flee to Him. And that is by His Word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to Your Word. With my whole heart, I have sought You. Let me not wander from Your, from your commandments, for I have stored up Your Word in my heart so that I might not sin against You. Here's the answer. God's Word. God's Word is something solid that you can stand on. And the more time you spend in His Word, the less time you will spend gawking and leering at sin. Fight temptation with trust. Now, because I believe as a counselor and as a pastor, my number one job is to give you hope. Drink this hope for yourself. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Here it is. All in one verse. 
It's for you. Fight temptation with faith in the One who loves you and will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's Jesus' best friend telling us exactly what it is that enables us to fight temptation. Trust the promises of God for you in Christ. Jesus is the Son of God means that He has authority over everything. Jesus is the Son of God means that you can fight temptation with trust. Trust. 